Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Ooh, wonderful. All right. So um, we didn't really get a chance to do this last week, um, but as many of you guys know, we spent the last couple of weeks uh, going to junior teen camp, going to senior teen camp. Uh, we ended up taking about uh, we ended up taking ten junior teen or ten middle schoolers to junior teen this year, which was up from I think it was like two last year, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah, we ended up taking about, I think between the two weeks of senior teen camp, we ended up taking about 10 weeks. And I think Anna kind of knows where I was going with this. I was going to ask her, see if she wanted to come up here and share, but she quickly made an exit. But anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, was, it was a great experience. And just to kind of summarize things up, we do have a quick little video for you. So every year we... Um, take a group of junior teens and or middle schoolers and uh, high schoolers off to camp. And uh, this week, we were lucky enough to get two uh, teenagers who went to senior teen uh, to share a little bit about what they uh, kind of experienced there and share a little bit of a testimony about what they went through uh, during their week at camp. So I'm going to hand the microphone off to them. So, okay. um, Well, I've been going to this camp ever since I was, like, born. And... <laughs> Um, I don't know what year this is, but every year it's like we usually do the same stuff, but it's different speakers, so it's like there's never a year that's like boring. And this year was good. We met some people, and worship is always good. And yeah, me and Ashley actually did wreck this year, which was really intense because we never do wreck. And we inhaled a lot of bubbles. I'm still choking on three weeks later. I, yeah, I don't really know what else to add. Camp's always great. It was probably my last year going to camp, so it was a great experience. And I guess I've been going, I've been going for quite a while. Let's be real. And yeah, I think it was. It's always really fun. And I think this year the like the speaker was really good. I'd heard him before, and I think he was really good. So yeah, yes. Uh, if you guys hadn't heard already. Um just like a quick little summary, but um, this year, as a part of Senior Team 2, uh, we were part of the Purple Team. They divide up the campers among a bunch of different groups, um, go, or go color teams head-to-head, -head, um, compete in rec activities, um, chapel, get points for being at prayer and stuff like that. But um, it's always really cool to be able to go ahead uh, and compete against other people, and it makes the camp a lot more interesting. Um, and one of the interesting things that, honestly, I kind of got into before we even went to, or before we even left for camp was um, we found out that I was part of the purple team, and I found out that it was nearly impossible to find anything at Walmart that was, like, the color purple that wasn't overpriced Viking stuff. So it, was, <laughs> it, it ended up being... Yeah, it, it, it ended up being just like having to grab like a little fishing hat and wrap it in purple duct tape, which was pretty cool. It was a little sweaty and um, things got really warm out there. It was a warm week, but um, it it's, um, and while like rec and all the other activities that we have going on at camp and Lake Geneva are great draws for kids, uh, no matter where they are with their relationship with God, um, those are not the things that make Lake Geneva special. Um, this year was special in a couple different ways. Um, first year, or first way that this year was special was in the year, in the way of growth. Um, as we discussed, like we brought like eight extra kids to junior team this year and brought a whole bunch more, a uh, whole bunch of senior or high schoolers to senior team. And um, apparently, Minnesota caught the flu with that because they grew by over 500 students um, 
across all five or all four weeks, excuse me, um, with uh, both senior team camps having a total of 800 students. Um, and we've gotten so close to the capacity of the camp that the directors are discussing expanding in order to make room for all the different students that are coming to Lake Geneva in order to, in looking for hope, looking for God, looking for God to come and inter or step into their lives and meet their needs. Um, the second reason that this year was extra special um, was because of our Speed the Light giving. Um, as I've discussed before, like Minnesota is already super special when it comes to missions giving, being the first, not only the first district to give over $1 million in a single year to Speed the Light, but also to continue to grow or grow in that year over year for three years total and topping out last year at $1.4 million. Um, but in spite of the crazy Minnesota, or in, in spite of the crazy numbers Minnesota students have continued to give in the past, our students realize that the work is not yet done and there are still people in this world that have not yet heard the name of Jesus. This year, the district has designated $300,000 of our total um, this year to go help rescue men, women, and children um, that have been trafficked, abused, and sold into slavery. Um, over the four weeks of camp that we did this year, our students raised $92,000 towards that end, with 42000 of that being raised at Senior Team 2, crushing the previous record, um, set last year at $36,000 in one single week. And it's absolutely amazing to see how students have stepped up, um, looked beyond their own faults, looked beyond their own uh, difficulties, and decided, you know what, this is important. It is important to see more people um, being able to hear the name of Jesus. And finally, um, I'd probably say uh, this year was special in the way that our or the way that the enemy attacked our students, um, and more importantly, how God broke through. Um, my first week uh, stepping onto Lake Geneva this year was a little interesting because in our uh, counselor meeting before the week even started, uh, Kirby stepped up and he was like, guys, we need to step up our game. I, I can, f like, there is a spiritual attack going on this year. And I can feel that our students are facing more difficulties. And year over year, um, our students face uh, higher and higher suicide rates. Uh, they face uh, more and more uh, depression. They face more and more uh, difficulties in school, uh, loneliness. Um, and, uh, excuse me, sorry. And while Lake Geneva has always faced uh, spiritual opposition, um, this year was extra special. Last year, Pastor Kirby, our district youth director, uh, received an email from a woman who's now the mother of a student at Lake Geneva. Um, and she shared a testimony of her experience years ago at Lake Geneva Christian Center. Um, she detailed how years ago, uh, the week she spent at camp was the only week that she would feel safe all year. She explained that camp was the only week all year where she knew that someone wasn't going to climb into her bed at night with her. Uh, it was the only week where she knew someone wasn't going to get in the shower with her. And it was the only week where she wouldn't be abused and she knew she would receive three full meals every day. And it was those weeks that at camp that reminded her that God loved her, um, brought her to where she could have a healthy marriage and family. That um, this year we saw more serious attacks coming on our students. Um, recent years, as I said, it's like we've seen suicide rates and depression rates among teenagers become more prevalent. prevalent. Um, and this generation has even become the most Bible illiterate generation in recent history. 
Um, this year, we even saw a girl whose parents offered to pay her $250 not to attend camp, which is actually more than the total cost of attending. Um, she had to come up with a cost on her own, and she knew that even though it was going to be expensive, it was going to cost her, she knew she had to be at camp this year. Um, we saw a young man who, before he arrived at camp, told God that if God didn't meet him and show himself to him this week, he was going to kill himself when he got home. But who knows that when the devil steps up his game, it only, makes, it only means that we get to see God show up in more miraculous ways. This year, we saw more students miraculously healed from thoughts of suicide and depression than any other year. Um, and like Paul and Silas when they were in prison, uh, we saw more students praise God in their pain and press through and seeing God break through their chains of addiction, of their self-doubt, and of their impurity. And as because of this, I want to say thank you to everyone here. Uh, thank you for praying for our students. Thank you for donating your time, your money, um, your resources to help make a difference in the lives of our students. Thank you for interceding on their behalf and believing, for, and believing God for a breakthrough in the lives of Minnesota youth. And it's kind of this that I want to, that kind of brings us to our, what we're talking about today. Um, we're talking about um, perseverance, pressing through, um, moving forward in your relationship with God, not just so you can say, I'm a better Christian this week than I was last week and the week before that, but because you want to see change in your community. You want to see change in the lives of the people around you. Um, one of the craziest things that I've heard, um, I believe uh, Pastor Micah Mack discussed this during junior teen, um, where he discussed that um, in years past, the t- two of the biggest fears um, facing Americans was the fear of public speaking uh, and the fear of death, which I always found was interesting because the fear of public, sp- it, people would rather die than uh, speak in public, which is, is a crazy thought, but... Um, a new fear has come to the top of that list, and uh, the fear for this generation is the fear of not making a difference. Um, so this is for the teenagers in the room, uh, teenagers who might be listening later, um, but also for you guys as well, um, for the people who um, have already who are um, in the position where they can. Um, raise up children, where they have um, children uh, in their lives, uh, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, whatever you may have. Um, and this is for you. Um, so you can see, um, so you can press through, so you can see change in the lives of your students and the lives of your community. And uh, we're going to be jumping around a bit today, uh, but for now, you guys can go ahead, open your book, or open your Bible to Proverbs 8. And while you're going ahead and doing that, I'm going to jump I'm going to jump and tell you about a man named Howard Carter. So if you haven't heard of Howard Carter, um, he was an archaeologist born in Kensington, England in the year 1874. Excuse me. Uh, he began working um, in digs in Egypt as a young man, and by the age of 17, he became an innovator in how tomb decorations were copied. Um, over the next 23 years, he continued to develop his skills further and innovate how large areas were searched and excavated. Uh, It was his dedication to developing himself and his field that caused him to be called upon to supervise his first excavation in 1907. By 1914, Carter was called upon once again because of his prominence in his field to lead a dig in the Valley of the Kings in Egypt, the rumored resting place of Pharaoh Tutankhamun. However, his work was quickly interrupted by the First World War, where he spent years working for the British government. 
He resumed work a few years later in the Valley of the Kings in 1917, excited to make a discovery. He continued his work there for five years, finding little in his searches. His efforts there seemed to be wasted, and his searching became, seemed to be doomed to join the long list of tourists, grave robbers, and archaeologists that had previously attempted to find Tutankhamun's tomb and come up empty. By 1922, Carter's investors had become unsatisfied with the lack of results that he had found, and that seemed to plague his digs. Um, Carter was informed that he had only one more season of funding to make any significant findings in the Valley of the Kings. Carter returned to work more dedicated than ever and decided to investigate a line of huts that he had previously abandoned a few seasons earlier. On November 4th, 1922, their young water boy accidentally stumbled upon a stone that, um, after a bit of digging, turned out to be the top of a flight of stairs that was cut into the bedrock. Carter had the steps partially dug out until the top of a mud plastered door was found stamped in distinct cartouches. A few weeks later, on November 26th, Carter made a tiny breach in the top left-hand corner of the doorway using a chisel that his grandmother had given him for her 17th birthday. Through that small hole, he was able to peer in by the light of a candle and see that many of the gold treasures that were resting inside were still in place. Can you see anything? Carter's assistant asked. Carter replied with the words, yes, wonderful things. Carter had indeed found Tutankhamun's tomb. Uh, Howard Carter made one of the world's most exciting archaeological finds because he did not give up seeking. He pressed through. He persevered. The Colorado River cut through the rock and landscape. The Colorado River, um, excuse me, sorry. When you look through or look to places like the Grand Canyon, um, the Colorado River cuts through rock and landscape, not because it is powerful, but because it is persistent. It continues to press through its obstacles until it broke through. When you look at people who have experienced success in their life, it is easy to see only the results, uh, the finished product that is put out there for the world to see. When you look at Michael Jordan's career, it's easy to see only the greatest basketball player um, to play the game. But, when you, but what you don't see is all the solo practices um, when no one was watching. You don't see the early mornings in the gym and the late nights on the basketball court. Uh, take, for example, two men, uh, Brian Shaw and Daniel Cormier. Uh, both two people who would be considered top of their, or top of their um, field. Uh, Brian Shaw, uh, he is a strongman competitor, um, and for four years, or for, or for, excuse me, uh, four times since 2011, he has won the world's strongest, um, world's strongest man title. Uh, and Daniel Cormier, who is the current UFC world, weight, uh, world heavyweight and lightweight heavyweight champion. Uh, two different uh, weight classes. And when you talk to both of these people, um, they, don't, they talk about two different things that, caused their, or that led them to uh, where they are at the top of their field. First off was what they call a spark of genius. Um, and if you're familiar with uh, like, uh, copyright law, spark of genius is basically legally defined as the moment where you realized uh, where you had the idea. It's a definable moment where you realize that this is something that, I, or that can be achieved, that this is something that can be invented, that this is something um, that can come into existence. And the second thing is perseverance. It takes all the 
like all the little um, in-between moments that you don't get praise for, um, all the little moments where you're studying um, to become the best um, in like a spelling bee champion, uh, all the moments in the gym where nobody's watching and you stay late after, um, even after everybody's gone home. Um, but what does it look like for a Christian to press through? First, uh, we must seek God's wisdom daily. Uh, when we look to Proverbs 8, we're going to jump all the way down to verse 32. Uh, Solomon writes, Now therefore, O sons, listen to me. For blessed are they who keep my ways. Heed, instructions and be, or heed instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorsteps. For he who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. We see here a wonderful picture of what you are supposed to be doing every day when you open your Bible um, and seek and hear God from God. You are watching, you are watching daily at his gates um, and waiting at his doorsteps. The gates of the city um, back in biblical days weren't simply a door through a wall around the city. Um, it was a place where people did life. Uh, it was where people met together to exchange business, to... Um, sell goods, sell, or exchanging commerce. Um, but more importantly, it was also where people gathered to um, discuss Torah, discuss um, the Bible, discuss um, the words that God had given to them. Um, it was also a place where prophets um, came, and when they, were, they had a message from God, that's where they met and they spoke out. It was also where uh, the king, um, and around this time, King David, spoke out, um, he would meet, they would have their court there, um, and he would decide on legal matters there. Um, so the court, or so when you talk about the gates, it's like, um, they're not just um, sitting at a doorway waiting for God to come out, but you are physically meeting with God. You are physically discussing what, or what his plans are, what his will is, and what he wants for you to do. Um, we, uh, this is the way to life in all its fullness. Um, this is the way to life. Um, this is the way to receive favor from the Lord. It is so important. It is a matter of life and death. Um, seeking God requires discipline and patience. You have to learn to wait on God. You can miss out if you are in too much of a hurry. Uh, when we look to Matthew 4, we see where Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Um, and we see Jesus not only... Um, speaking and fighting against the devil, but he used scripture. Three times Jesus was tempted by the devil. Three times he used scripture. He memorized the word. He memorized the Bible. He memorized what the words of God said um, to counteract. For how else are we supposed to be able to, how are we supposed to be able to see the lies of the devil unless we know God's word and we know the truth that he is speaking into our lives? Um, second off, uh, we must seek God's spirit persistently. Um, this is where we're going to jump to Luke 11. Um, and then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will, give, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Jesus encourages you not to be put off easily. He, tells, he told um, his disciples a story of 
to show the power of persistence, even in imperfect human relationships. Uh, Jesus goes on to explain, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. For every, er, and to him who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now suppose one of your fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Persistence is just as important in our daily life as it is in our relationship with God. Keep on asking. Keep on pressing through. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And him who knocks, it will be open. Um, at this point, it's like, I, I just want to encourage you guys to continue to keep pressing on. There are so many times where um, I know in my life where I've prayed for something to happen, and because it didn't happen in my timetable, because I wasn't willing to keep pressing on, to keep asking God for that breakthrough, uh, to keep asking him for prayer and for intercede and to inter- and keep continue to intercede um, on behalf of the people around me. Um, I didn't see the breakthrough that, um, that I, be- I was believing God for. And there are so many times where it's easy to just give up, to give up and quit, to um, end things early and to... Um, not reach the end of the goal. Um, But it's God's will. It's God's destiny for us. And if we want to continue to see God move in our students' lives, in the lives of our community, in the lives of our kids, of our families, our neighbors, we need to continue to continue. We need to continue to press on. We need to continue to pray. We need to seek his wisdom, find out his will, and pray and believe that God's will will be done in our lives. Um, one of the things that we're going to be doing as a youth group here in a couple weeks on August 29th, um, it was we're going to be going out and praying for our local um, high schools in the area. And one of the things that the district is doing is they've got um, a group of motorcycle or motorcyclists who are going around throughout the entire state of Minnesota, praying at each of the um, high schools in Minnesota during that entire week of August 29th. And they asked us to join them. Um, so whether or not you want to join us on August 29th during our um, Wednesday night service, you guys are free and welcome to come along. Um, but even if you don't, um, I encourage you guys to take some time out of the or take some time out of that week uh, to pray for our students here in Minnesota, to pray for the people in our community because um, we continue to or they continue to face um, dark times. They continue to face thoughts of suicide, depression. And we need to believe God that he can work through um, our prayers um, and that he will meet the need that our students have in our lives.